All right, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the All Day Buffalo podcast. This is your host, Eli Fox, and I am joined by two very, very special guests, two Twitter operators along with me, um, close friends in the BIB group. Uh, I got Justice. You guys all know Justice. Um, and then we got Alex, who you guys might not know, but he does a lot of work on the Twitter page. Um, Alex, tell us about yourself. What's up, man? What's up, guys? I'm at Bill17Mafia. Um you know, part of the three-man group that runs the Twitter page, and uh, happy to be here. Excited to talk some uh, some hot stuff, and yeah, let's get into it. Sounds good, Justice. Tell us about yourself, man. Hey, what's up, everybody? Um, I appreciate you know my man Eli coming on, having me on. We've uh, we've taken this built-in Buffalo journey. All three of us really from the beginning. Um, me and Eli have kind of just as far as like grown, you know, with edits and. Uh, just doing other things outside of the Twitter uh, for, for, you know, built in Buffalo. So it's cool to, to finally be on the podcast. I want to have him on my podcast as well when, when he has the opportunity. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I mean, we've been, we've been trying to plan this for the past, like two months, it seems like um, and, and yeah. finally, finally we get to do it. And coincidentally mm-hmm. enough, this is episode 17. So it's the Josh Allen episode. Um, hey. but, <laughs> yeah. So it's gotta be great. Uh, but I mean, getting all that introduction stuff out of the way, we might as well hop right into the topic. So first topic up, we're going to talk about 53 man roster predictions. So we're going to go through wide receivers, running backs, cornerbacks, defensive ends. And then we'll talk a little bit about the starting O line and what we predict will be the starting O line. Um, so let's just get it going with the wide receivers. So let me pull up the full roster so I can read off who we have as wide receivers before we even get started. So here we go. We got Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis, Emmanuel Sanders, Isaiah McKenzie, Jake Kumaro, Duke Williams, Tanner Gentry, Isaiah Hodgins, Brandon Powell, Marquez Stevenson, and Lance Lenore. So, Justice, start us off. Who do you think is going to be? Because, I mean, the Bills generally stick with uh, six wide receivers. So, let's just do a, uh, stick with six. Who are your six that are making this roster? Ooh, man, that's a lot of talent. Um, if, I, if I had to, to say right now, before I get to see training camp and free, or I'm sorry, uh, training camp and the preseason and everything, um, I would have to say Beasley, Davis, uh, Sanders, Hodgins. I think McKenzie is going to be that guy. And, and I think that uh, Stefan Diggs guy is pretty good. He, he might make the team. Yeah, I, I heard he kind of stinks, but. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's gonna be a big training camp for him no but that that's a very solid that's a very very solid uh wide receiver group you have there alex what do you think although oh, real quick if i could just yeah. say something real quick i i i think that like hodgins I think he's extremely talented i think kumaro has some talent i think that gentry might surprise some people um powell and stevenson We'll see what happens with them as far as the return game. But honestly, man, I'm 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 really excited to see what happens because you know iron sharpens iron. But uh, you know, with all those guys having to compete with you know those other very talented people, I think that it's going to be good for our receiving core in the long run. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Alex. No, you're good. Yeah, so go for it. I personally think maybe other than D line, our wide receiver situation is going to be the most interesting. 
I mean, we have four locks, Cole Beasley, Diggs, Gabe Davis, Emmanuel Sanders, 100% on the roster day one. Um, Duke Williams, someone that, you know, Bill's Mafia wants to see there. But other than that one Texans game, right, with that touchdown, I don't know if he's going to be the guy we want over someone like Hodgins who, you know, McDermott probably wants to see him out there, you know, developing and getting better. I could see Kumaral maybe just because he has somewhat of a connection with Josh and he's a vet. Um, and then we have the issue with McKenzie versus Stevenson. I mean, we drafted Stevenson, so we're, you know, what was he a fifth or sixth round pick? I don't see us just throwing him to the pack, the practice squad right away, but we got we got to have McKenzie or him for kick returns and all that. So I think that's definitely interesting. Um, for sure, those four. If I had to say now, I would say Hodgins and McKenzie. Nice. Yeah. So I, I, I love the whole potential battle between McKenzie and Stevenson. I think that it's going to be a lot hotter than people uh, might think um, coming into training camp. I, I'm really, really high on Stevenson. I think he's definitely the type of guy that can take over Isaiah McKenzie's spot. I think a lot of Bills Mafia would be a little bit upset about that at first because he is a fan favorite. You know, I mean, everyone loves Isaiah McKenzie. He's a fun guy. He's, 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 he's good at what he does. He's a Swiss army knife player. And, and if, and now if he can now return the ball, um, even half as well as Andre Roberts did, he could definitely find his way onto this Robert, uh, onto this uh, roster, but Stevenson can push him, you know, um, I, he's really, really electric. Um, if you've ever seen any highlights or film from him at Houston, He's really fun to watch, um, and he's just got that type of speed that he doesn't even look like he's going that fast until you see him running next to players, and he's just burning <laughs> yeah. everybody. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Um, so it, it's definitely going to be a fun camp. I think there's going to be a lot of good position battles, um, and wide receiver is definitely going to be one of them. Um, but let me go ahead with my uh, six that I think will make it. So like you said, Alex, there's, there's going to be four locks. I mean, Diggs, Beasley, Davis, and Sanders. We're going to see those guys on the roster that's and that's obvious i think everyone can agree on that um but the top the last two slots is where it kind of definitely gets a little more iffy people might have differing opinions um and i think i think that marquez stevenson beats out isaiah mckenzie like in, in all honesty i think that if anyone's going to do it it's going to be stevenson i mean yeah and and, and isaiah sign that cheap deal it's not going to be that if they're not like hurting that much by not putting him on the roster um and you know if, if marquez stevenson can show that electricity against nfl talent in training camp i think that he can have that spot um so i'm going to put marquez stevenson i guess in the five or six and then for the last spot it's going to be isaiah hodgins in my opinion i think he's he's got a whole lot of potential and it's really a kind of a shame that he didn't get to play um last year and i think this could be his year to show that he's got what it takes to do it all while we're on the topic do you think that uh you guys think that cole beasley is actually gonna retire or do you think he's, he's just gonna play this year no i don't think so yeah i don't i don't, I don't think he's gonna retire either I, I i don't know if he said all that to i don't know maybe yeah. scare people into wanting him to have his own opinion i believe he should have his own opinion um but um I, I don't think so i think i think he, he he loves the game of football for the game of football uh, he's not playing for money anymore and if he really wanted out i think he'd already be out um, yeah. but he wants to play That's football true. i That's think true. i think he's just mad at the players association 
And I think that was kind of just that way to get people's eyes, their eyebrows to raise and kind of just be like, okay, he's saying he's retiring, but I doubt it. He knows what's going on here with Josh and, you know, how close we were to a Super Bowl. I don't think he's out of here now. Maybe in a couple seasons when he's old, older. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think, Justice? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. At least I hope so. I, I really wouldn't yeah. want to see Cole, you know, go just as soon as he started. In the hit. I mean, he's been hitting and trying to muffle, but I think that he's kind of now like an essential piece to our offense. Not essential, but yeah, yeah, I would say essential. Um, but um, yeah, I, I don't want him to go. I guess I was just, I've been hearing a lot of people who actually like believe it might happen. So I was just seeing where you guys' head was at. Yeah, and I—I I mean, geez, I—I I don't want that to happen at all. I mean, I—he he is an integral part of who the Bills are. He's, you know, we, we all know Josh Allen is someone who's not going to check down all the time. He's—he's he's got like the lowest check down rate in the NFL, and his version of a check down is throwing it to Cole Beasley, and Cole Beasley can get open. They've got that chemistry where Josh Allen can roll out of the pocket, and then Cole Beasley can just pop out of nowhere. And he can throw the ball to him, gain like seven yards. And if it's on third down, they, they pick it up. And he's got a really, really important role in this team. So I don't think he's going anywhere. Absolutely. All right. So I think that's enough on the wide receivers. Real quick before we move on, I want to know what you guys think of Tanner Gentry. Because I know they have, you know, he has that chemistry with, with Hollister and Josh, all of them at Wyoming, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, I don't see him making that spot, but he could definitely be a practice squad player and, you know, just they can all like hang out and practice and stuff. And I feel like that might be something that we might, we, he might keep, he might stay around, right? Yeah, Justice. You know what? I, I, A, if he is someone who goes to training camp and really like lights it up and him and Josh really truly are on the same page, uh, the way, you know, we've been hearing then I can see them keeping seven receivers, you know what I mean, and uh, kind of just finding a spot somewhere else. But if he comes and he earns a spot, knowing that Hollister's going to be on the team, knowing who Josh Allen is to our team and to the league, really, um, I think that they would appease Josh and, and keep a gentry, you know what I mean, and keep you know keep him for an extra roster spot. Yeah, I think if, if there's any year that the Bills keep seven wide receivers, it would have to be this year. You know, like there's just so much talent in this wide receiver room that Agreed. it would almost feel like a waste to to put some of these to cut some of these guys and to put some of these guys in the practice squad. So I think he he could definitely have a spot. And like you guys are saying, I mean the 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 chemistry between Josh and and Hollister could definitely be a a big upside to having Gentry on the team or on the roster. Um, so I, I think if 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 they're gonna keep seven, this is the the year to do it, and Gentry could be that guy. Totally. All right, so let's move on. Yeah, let's move on to the running backs. So give me your predictions for the running backs. Here are the running backs that we have. We have Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, Matt Breida, Taiwan Jones, Antonio Williams, and Christian Wade. Um, Alex, start it up. Okay, so jog my memory. How many are we keeping on the roster? Four? Usually, usually four, I think. Yeah. Okay. So 100% two locks, Moss and Singletary. Brita. So he's getting the league minimum, right? He's on like a veteran contract for like eight or 900K, something like that. Something Maybe. like that. So I was expecting when we signed him that we were going to be paying him like a decent amount, like millions, because I thought he was still that dude. Um, I've seen he's had some injury issues, right? He's kind of. He's not an every down back, obviously. 
So I think with Josh's ability to, you know, the way he uses Singletary is so nice. Pressure comes, he'll just check it off to Singletary. Singletary will get seven yards, make one or two guys miss. But Singletary's not, you know, going for a 50-yard touchdown off of that. I think what's nice about Brita is Brita can run like a wheel route and burn everybody. Josh can float it over the top with that arm that he has. I think Brita opens up the passing game in the backfield way more than Moss and Singletary do, even though they are viable receiving running backs. We don't have any running backs that can't catch the ball. I mean, pretty much all three of those guys are, you know, good pass catchers. Taiwan Jones, excellent special teamer. I see him being that fourth. And then I see Wade and Williams being on practice squad. I think that's a way easier one to decide than wide receiver. Yeah, I think so too. Justice, go for it. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I feel like it's pretty obvious that Moss and um, Singletary are probably going to be locks. Um, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of Taiwan Jones. I know it, it, it's said that he is, you know, a special teamer. Um, but I, I kind of am curious to see, like, where the fullback roster spot goes um, since, you know, we don't carry one anymore. And maybe if, you know, you can use that extra roster spot for maybe somebody like him or, um, <clears throat> again, like a Stevenson, um, somebody who can, you know, produce on special teams. And I've even heard, I don't know this to be true, but I've heard that Antonio Williams is a pretty decent special teamer. Uh, but <clears throat> the only reason I say all that is because I know that we're going to keep Monson Singletary, but I, I am interested to see what Burita can do out in in space you know what i mean just with the screen pass and see where he, he can go with that take that uh and i i think that I, i'm really high on antonio williams i have an inkling that he's going to be the number two running back coming the end of the year probably behind singletary with what moss may be you know falling down the depth chart a little bit um so I'm a really big fan of, of Williams from what I've seen. I've here been hearing a lot of great things out of training, or I'm sorry, out of minicamp. So uh, yeah, I'm. I don't know if 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 uh, Taiwan Jones is something that's like super necessary for the roster or for our special teams. Uh, but if he isn't, then I, I would love to to keep Brita and Williams. Yeah, I like that. Um... That's a that's a that's a pretty hot take. I think yeah. I think not not a lot of people are going to say that about um, Zach Moss slipping and Antonio Williams kind of rising up to the two spot. Um, but I I wouldn't hate it. I'm really high on Antonio Williams too. I mean, how could you not be? The like the last time we saw him, it was like the the best show ever, um, and he, yeah. he he played so well that game that you, it's hard not to love him. Um, he's got a great great story. Just you know, he's not very like well respected, but he's a but he's a really good back for who he is. Um, and I think that he, he could definitely take a spot. Uh, so my, my four are obviously going to be Singletary and Moss. Um, and where it gets kind of murky is that, that Brita kind of Williams area, maybe Taiwan Jones. But I'm going to take Brita at the three and Williams at the four. And I think that Taiwan Jones is a little bit – is just the more expendable player. Um and, and Christian Wade, I, like, I'm sorry to say it. I love his story. I love that he's from the UK and he shares that bond with F.A. Obata, but I just don't think he really has much of a place um, in the running back room as a lot of these guys do. Um, and I think Matt Breida, like you were saying, Alex, he, he, he can be a big threat in the passing game, like a third down back type of guy. 
that can uh, make big plays with his speed um, out of the backfield through the pass. Uh, if, if we can get Josh to check down more um, to a guy like Brita, I think it could even help out Josh's stats more too. Um, yeah. But I, I think it's going to be Singletary, Moss, Brita, and Williams. Taiwan Jones, like you were saying, Justice, if it's gonna, if he might take that fullback spot uh, because we don't we don't carry one like uh, like that's that's right because I, I don't even who was the last fullback we carried? Demarco. Demarco. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, so I mean, Taiwan Jones could take that spot, but I, I I'm going Singletary, Moss, Burrito, Williams. I think that's a pretty solid running back room. Fair. I could, yeah. I think if Antonio Williams can step it up in special teams. Taiwan Jones is gone for sure. Yeah, I didn't know that Antonio Williams is a is a, a decent special teamer. I didn't either. Uh, that's kind of nice to hear though. So we have options there. It kind of bums me out about Christian Wade, just because I don't I don't see him making that list of four. So. Yeah, I know. But doesn't Christian Wade get like another year of exemption or something where he can stand up? Yeah, I think I saw that too. But he'll just be on the practice squad still. I don't like he's. I don't. Has he ever been elevated? No, yeah, I don't. I don't That's think so. Really. That would be He's so a cool, cool preseason story, though. Oh yeah. He's a cool preseason story. Wait, can you tell it to me? <laughs> no, I'm saying like every preseason, oh. having him there, you know. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And that run he had, and he's interacted with Built in Buffalo a few times, actually. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're big Christian Wade fans. And Antonio Williams. And Antonio Williams. Antonio yeah. Williams, yeah, that's my guy. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. All right. So, is that anything else and, in the running backs? And Moss, actually, Moss and is Moss, yeah. The page too. We're like the running back room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just need things to round out the uh, and Matt Breida, but we'll round out the running back room. Later. <laughs> um, anything else on running backs, guys? No. So, okay. All right. Cool. So we are going to move on to the defense. We're going to talk about the cornerbacks. Um, so find them. Got a decent amount of them, um, so I'll go through them again. Tredavious White, Taron Johnson, Saran Neal, Levi Wallace, Dane Jackson, Cam Lewis, Rashad Wild Goose, Olajai Griffin, um, and Nick McLeod. I never get Olajai's name right. I think I got it right that time. Um, but what do you guys think? Justin, we can start with you. Uh, I'm, I think that I've heard a lot of people say – a rich specifically another uh that's a muffled family member he said that if levi wallace is the floor we have at cornerback then that's not a bad floor and i agree i think that uh we were critical of eli of levi wallace and he he had to grow he, he definitely took his growing pains he had to adjust he had to get better um and he did the only thing was sometimes he kind of looked like a liability you know he out there was getting torched for, you know, multiple days in a row sometimes. So that was kind of discouraging. But if you take a look at it, he's an undrafted free agent. He's played 35 games and he started every single game as an undrafted free agent on an AFC championship roster. That's like unheard of, you know what I mean? To, to be the number two guy at a very premium position, you know, that that's kind of, you know, hey, it, you know, it's commendable. So um, I, I don't really judge uh, Levi as harshly as I used to. However, I am very big on Dane Jackson. Um, I think that he has the potential to come in and be something very special, especially when you got guys like Brandon Bean going out and, and saying that publicly for a seventh round guy. That's 
absolutely nuts. Um, so with that being said, you know, we, we know that Bean is is a guy who finds value in in players whose stock is kind of falling. You know, we got Ed Oliver supposed to be the number one pick, drops down to number nine, Bean snags him. Josh is supposed to be a number one pick, drops down to number seven, Bean snags him. Uh, Rousseau was projected to be a number one pick had he played last year. Drops down to 30, Bean snatches him. You know, um, so I am thinking that maybe Rashad Wildcoast is a little bit better than everybody thinks he is. Griffin, too. Uh, you know, maybe they could be the next Dane Jackson in the sense where they come in and, and make everybody nervous and, and, you know, try to come take some some uh, playing time uh, because I really like Taron Johnson. He just has to get more consistent. I always say that Taron Johnson was the difference between us last year being a good team and a great team, but he isn't consistent at all. So, yeah. All right, Alex, go for it. I mean, going off what Justice said, he took the words right out of my mouth. I absolutely love Levi Wallace, a walk-on at Alabama. He's six feet tall. He's a good-sized corner. He's not too big. He's not too small. He can pretty much cover anyone, right? He can cover DeAndre if we need him to when he's grown. He can also cover a slot receiver because he's not too big. Um, I mean, walk-on at Alabama and then practice squad undrafted on the Bills, like – Justice said, starting on an AFC championship team, I mean, a huge adjustment. I just think that's a player who had the opportunity to go out and make some money, maybe on a team that wasn't going to another, you know, conference championship game. And he chose to stay here because he knows what we have going on here. He gets to be across from, from Trey. And I feel like he's going to learn under Trey. And he's only, he's only played, you know, three years in the league, probably three years experience. So yeah. I really see these next two years being those years of growth for him. I think he needs reps. Um, I just think him and, and Trey with Tehran inside, I think that's a, a lethal cornerback tandem. Um, but the issue is Dane. I mean, Dane is a guy that we all like. We all want to put him out there. So it's like, are we sacrificing Levi and his his growth to put Dane in there when we know that you know Dane's younger Dane maybe has more upside because he, you know, he's still in that growth stage, whereas Levi's probably getting to the edge of his growth stage, just that he's he is older. He's not in his first two, three seasons anymore. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really interesting room right now. I like Wild Goose. Um, I like Hamlin. I love those picks. Is it Hamlin that's from Pitt also? I forget. Yeah, ha yeah Hamlin's safety though. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, I thought he was a corner. Okay, we got Wild Goose. Um, Olajai Griffin. Olajai Griffin. Olajai yeah. Griffin. Okay. I, I mean, I still think that Trey, Levi, Dane are going to be our like guys going forward with Tehran and, and Slot and Nickel, but I don't know a ton about the rookies um, other than Wild Goose. I don't know a lot about Olajai, but I, I definitely like what we have going. I think it's going to be interesting to see that battle between Dane and Levi going forward for sure yeah i mean cornerbacks a super interesting position because so many people were you know beating the drum of during the draft at least we wanted a new cornerback like a like the first round pick or second round pick on a, a really good top end cornerback in the draft and we didn't take one uh, and the highest cornerback we took was wild goose um so it seems like bean and mcdermott trust what they have in the room um so yeah. you know you know, Dane Jackson is the guy that they trust, I think, to, to, to make that step up. And if he doesn't make that step up, then we have Levi. And as Justice was saying, if Levi's the worst corner that we can have on the field, that's not a bad thing at all. 
Nope. Right. I think that it, it speaks to, you know, it's crazy is when the draft happened, I was actually expecting us to possibly go double corner, you know, in back to back first, second round. I was like, maybe Asante Samuel and then a um, Molden. Uh, there, you know, there was a couple uh, people, a couple options that I was like, okay, I would love to have this tandem. You know what I mean? And then um, we went back to back defensive end. So again, like you just said, you like clearly being sees something in the roster that we don't see yet. And I, I think you know, like you just said, I think it might be Dane Jackson. I really do because remember, he wasn't even necessarily expecting to have Levi back this season. Remember, Levi took less money to come back to the Bills because he was getting higher offers from elsewhere. So, they, Dean, Dane Jackson must really be showing something special. Yep. Totally. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, like, like everyone, I love Dane Jackson. Um, I, I'd love to see him on the field more. I mean, like every time he stepped on the field, it just seemed like he brought an extra something to the defense. Um, you know, his, his ball hawking ability and how aggressive he can be um towards the ball it's just it, it's really fun to watch um and then thinking about him op- opposite of trey white it, it, it seems like i mean with the limited snaps that we've seen him play it seems like it could be a dream come true um but obviously we need to see dane jackson you know grow a little bit more he's still an undrafted rookie um he's not a perfect prospect by any means so he's gonna have to grow behind a really good cornerback trey, trey white like he can learn a lot from him um i think he can still learn a lot from levi wallace too Levi Wallace is a great cornering tack, uh, a, a great tackling corner, um, and people say, "Well, he gets all of his tackles after he's been burnt." <laughs> and I like, yeah, maybe, but he still brings them down. I mean, that's a that's a yeah, exactly. He's not people run to the end zone. Yeah, he's not getting burnt, and then he's missing the tackle, and then it's a sixty-yard touchdown pass. It's just like he's he's got a, a game-saving ability in, in tackling, and that's important when you're playing that edge side, and 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 people can break it off on you at any point like you you might be the last person after on, a, on like a pitch play and the cornerback's yeah. got to be the person to stop that and levi i think is a guy that can make those plays so i mean like we were saying man if levi's the worst that we got then by all means i mean i'll take it uh but I, i'd love to see dane jackson get get his reps this year absolutely i'm right there with one, one thing i will say about about this cornerback room though is i feel like in 2019, Josh's sophomore year, we had, you know, Shaq Lawson. We had a D-line that was getting to the quarterback. And I think that took a lot of pressure off of the secondary. I think that allowed Jordan and Micah to do their thing and Trey to lock their number one wide receiver. And it kind of left that cornerback number two to not have so much pressure. Um, I think this year, you know, we didn't have star. Ed was going out of position. Our DNs were just not getting to the quarterback like they were, you know, in seasons before. And I think that put a lot more pressure when the quarterback has more time for Trey and Levi and whenever Dane was in to be able to, you know, lock those receivers down. It made them look a lot worse than I think they actually are. I think we just had such a weak pass rush. I think that's going to change this year. I think, you know, with these new rookies, I think we're going to see a difference in this defense. I think this defense is going to return to where it was before where it's like, oh, Bill's defense, you know, let's draft him in fantasy. That's a top three team um, for defense and, yeah, I think that we're on our way back there. Yeah, I actually I think that it, it kind of goes – like, I don't know if it goes hand-in-hand because hand, I, I kind of had, like, a similar but, like, opposite thought, right? I thought it was 
Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips and those guys were able to get so much pressure on the quarterback because our secondary was so good, which is why when, you know, they asked for so much money, Bean was like, uh, no, you know, when they went elsewhere and got paid based on their stats. But you see Shaq Lawson is already off the Dolphins team and Jordan Phillips isn't, you know, like a great player for the, the Cardinals. So I think that last year we didn't even have anybody who was as good as those guys. So besides Jerry Hughes, obviously. But I think that's the thing that's going to be so special about uh, Boogie Basham and Greg Rousseau. Because if you look at their college film, which I'm sure you know you guys have, we post it all the time. Um, they both are like high motor people who just keep going and going until they get to the quarterback, which is basically what we need, you know, those guys who can create havoc in the backfield and who won't give up on the rush because our secondary is so good and our secondary is going to make a quarterback have to, you know, hold that ball a little bit longer. So um, I, I think that that will prove this year, but because we have better pass rushers. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I think, yeah, the pass rush always, I mean, the pass rush takes so much uh, pressure off of the cornerbacks. And then if you have a really good uh, secondary, it can take pressure off the DN. So like it, it all just, it, it all it depends on if it all comes together, you know? Um, and I think a lot of the reason why there was struggle in um, the, the defense last year. And I don't know if a lot of people talk about this, but it was the fact that there were no fans in the stadium. And I think the 12th man is kind of underrated in a, in a lot of situations. Um, and I, I think that now that we have full capacity stadiums, I think that the defense is going to get better from that. And then offenses are going to get worse from that. Um, we saw like a huge uptick in offensive production throughout the league last year. And, and that was just a product of every team being able to hear every play call and every signal. Um, and if you have a rowdy fan base like the bills um, or like, you know, in Lambeau field or all these like really crazy atmospheres, um, the offense then takes tick, ticks back because they, they can't hear and, um, you know, audibles aren't heard as well. Um, so I think that is kind of like a, a sneaky thing that, that, that might change a lot of games this year. Do you guys think that that could be something that, that ended up biting the bills is uh, the crowd noise this year? Yeah, or, or I guess what I'm asking is, do you guys think the bills were so good last year because there was no crowd noise anywhere? I don't think that it was the only reason why they were that why they were good because I think that there was so much more talent on the team plus Josh took a lot of steps in just becoming a better quarterback like it wasn't just the fact that he could make whatever you know audibles he wanted without the defense um you know making the you, you know what I'm saying but I I think the team got better and it didn't get better because there was no crowd noise but it is going to play play into it. I think I can't, I can't just say that for other teams and it, it and it not be true for the bills. I think the bills are going to suffer a little bit of growing pains, at least at the beginning of the season. I think all teams will, but we'll, they'll readjust to it. All these guys have played in front of fans before, so they know what to do. I really yeah. think that the AFC championship game really is going to help Josh for the rest of his career because the AFC championship game, there was no, there was like ample crowd noise. And I think he's always going to remember that moment. Because if you think about it, his rookie year, anytime he played the Patriots, he was garbage. Like, and I mean, like terrible, like not even serviceable quarterback, right? It's because he was nervous 
And then his second year, when he got to, uh, what was it, Baltimore, it was New, New England. He still was kind of bad. And then also Pittsburgh, he wasn't super great. And then in the playoffs, obviously, he kind of had that meltdown at the end. But if you think about it, he always used those experiences as growing opportunities to the point where he got to his third year. Pittsburgh wasn't that big of a deal. He blew out New England the one time, the first time he still beat him. Um, and then, you know, we got to the playoffs. He, he won. He beat, beat the Colts, obviously. He beat the uh, Ravens, obviously. And then it, it kind of felt like the AFC Championship game was that moment for him again. It was like his rookie year Patriots because he had never seen this moment before, this stage, and it was a little too big for him at the time. But every other time the moment was too big for him, he came back the next time and performed very, very well. I like the the Thanksgiving game versus the Cowboys. He played nearly a flawless game. You know what I mean? So um, I'm really excited to see what happens and how he – matures from this. I think that, you know, the, the crowd being in Kansas City ultimately will have been a good thing for Josh. Absolutely. Alex, yeah. what do you think? Um, I agree. I think – what was the score of that game, the Bills the AFC Championship game? How many points did we score? 21? I think it was like 38 to 24 or something. So uh, – I think 24 points wins you wins you an AFC Championship game. I don't think the issue necessarily was us scoring. I didn't like the field goals, um, right? You know, we took like several field goals when all of us were like, "Can you just go for it?" But <laughs> I think my issue um, isn't with that. I think you know the Chiefs, to their credit, that's probably a top 10 offense in NFL history. I think that's pretty easy to say. I mean, that offense is absolutely ridiculous all the way down the board at every single position, they pretty much, you know, they could be an all pro team almost. I mean, it is absolutely ridiculous. And we just weren't there on defense. I think our issue is we just weren't there on defense. We had no chance of, of doing like getting pressure to Mahomes the way that the Bucks did. I mean, we were so far away from what the Bucks had to counteract Mahomes in that offense. I think that's why we lost. I mean, 38 points is ridiculous for that defense. I mean, I don't think that defense would have What'd you say, Justice? Oh, I was I was gonna wait for you to finish, but I was gonna say that's a really good point. <clears throat> Excuse me, Alex, because again, you you mentioned how they didn't go for it. That's twice. So let's say that's fourteen points. That right there is thirty-eight. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if you score both those touchdowns, which you have Josh Allen, you very well could have scored both those touchdowns. They yeah. could have ended up in a, a tie game or whatever the case, or maybe the circumstances just were just different to the point where maybe our defense actually felt motivated to stop somebody. And, you know, we might've won the game. Uh, Cause if you think about the AFC championship game, that was coming down to the wire. Just like the weekend matchup was coming down to the wire. They kind of just pulled away at the end. So we can beat them. It's just about finishing. Yeah. 100%. And I think Josh and Diggs are going to take that that leap because they're, I mean, you saw Diggs after the game. <laughs> He's, I'd be afraid if I was an AFC East a competitor to watch Diggs go up for, you know, 150 plus in every game in the division. He's definitely not stopping until he gets a ring. And I mean, him and Josh are who you want right now on this team. No, that, that's an iconic photo of him looking off into the, like the Kansas yep. City fans and the team celebrating. And like, that's just like the exact type of photo you see before 
that person wins a, a title. 100%. It, it's just, it's, it's, it's written. It's, it's all written. It's going to happen. Um, all right. So let's move on. Um, we can talk about DNs now. Um, so I'll talk about who we have on the defensive end uh, side of the ball. So we got Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, AJ Epineza, uh, Daryl Johnson, F.A. Obata, Mike Love, Greg Rousseau, Carlos Basham, and then Brian Cox Jr., who is sadly on the IR now because of an Achilles injury. Um, so, Justice, you can start off on this one if you want. Um, yeah, man, I, I kind of gave my thoughts on defensive end on Twitter, and, like, I got attacked for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, I feel like if you have Basham, Rousseau, uh, I'm sorry, Basham, Rousseau, you got Hughes, you got Epinesa, you got, uh, I like Van Johnson, you know what I mean? Um, I would much rather have all those guys rather than Mario Addison because I feel like all of those guys have the potential to be better than what Mario Addison gave us last year. So um, I'm, I would rather keep all the young guys and kind of just let, you know, Jerry mentor everybody to the point where, you know, maybe they can be a little more productive. But we tried having the veterans come in and, and you know, do something for our team and it just hasn't worked. We haven't gotten any more pressure, you know what I mean? So uh, I feel like we should just let the young guys have their crack at it. Yeah, absolutely. Alex, go for it. What's that number we're talking about for how many we're keeping? Um, Eight to nine? I would say, let's just go with six. Just say your top six. Oh, okay, six. All right, hundred percent. Jerry, Ed, uh, Rousseau, and and uh, so Jerry, Ed, Rousseau. Um, are we doing six for DN? Then we'll do D tackle separate. Is that how we do this? Or you... I, I wasn't going to talk about D tackle. We can, but um, okay. Well, I'm going to leave D tackle out because we kind of just have the big three with D tackle. So for ends, Jerry, Rousseau. Basham, um, Epinesa. Those are my big four. I love those four. Um, I don't dislike Addison. I think um, I think there's probably a better solution there, but I do think he has a veteran presence. I do think he has the ability to produce with a lower risk than maybe some of these other guys. Um, but you see guys like Daryl Johnson, who's an excellent special teamer, right? And, you know, he's still in his growth stage. And I could see him stepping up and learning underneath Jerry Hughes, who I think is probably the biggest piece to this D-line still, is having Jerry Hughes there to mentor and just, just – he's just a great guy. I think he's a great person to just have on that defense, just getting everyone hyped up, everyone motivated, everyone positive. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I like where our D-line's at now a lot more. I, I was so nervous about our D-line going into last season. I just did not feel like that was the group that was taking us to a Super Bowl. I mean, and that's, I think, what kept us from going to a Super Bowl was just our D-line group. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I like I like where we're going. I think there might still be one or two more additions or subtractions to, to occur, but where we are right now is, is great. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, so I, I basically agree. I mean, Jerry Hughes, Epinesa, I think Daryl Johnson has a spot. Uh, I think he's a 
a great playmaker on special teams. And when he gets his time uh, on the defense, he, he seems to put in some pretty good uh, time. So I, I do like him. Um, I think he's very valuable. I think F.A. Obata makes uh, the roster, and then Greg Rousseau and Carlos Basham. Um, I, I'm really excited to watch Rousseau and Basham. Um, I think we're going to see more of Basham uh, in in this coming year, but I think Rousseau will be mixed in like perfectly. I mean, b- being McDermott and – or at least McDermott and Frazier, I think, will have the right game plan for them, um, and I think they won't overuse either one of them. I think they're going to you know, mix them in. Um, the perfect amount, and they're going to get AJ Epinesa the run that he deserves uh, because I think he he's got a big year. I think he's going to he's I think he's going to prove himself uh, this year, and I, I think that this D, D this D uh, DN group could be pretty scary. I mean, if you if you're looking at just Greg Rousseau, the, the guy's massive. Um, you can't you can't miss him. He like that iconic picture of him standing next to uh, Sean McDermott. This yep. making Sean McDermott look like a baby. Like it's crazy. Uh, and so I'm really excited to see that guy out on the field. And at first, I mean, I wasn't too happy about taking Russo and Basham, but literally I like as hour after hour, after I thought about the draft, I was like getting more okay with it because I think they addressed the the need that we, we, we had um, on the bills defense. And, that, that pass rush was the biggest need. Like you said, Alex, like I, I was worried most games because like, I just knew that our defensive ends didn't have it. Like, I mean, we have, we have Jerry Hughes, but he can only do so much and we, we don't have uh starlet tool. So he's not going to plug up the middle to make uh, more opportunities around the rest of the line. So I think that we have a good group. I, I like FAO bottom making the roster, uh, not only for his story, but I think that he's just massive and he's just, like a, you know, playmaker type. He, he's got really, he's got really nice highlights um, when he was on the Panthers. Um, I think he can make some noise too, but it's a little more of a long shot, I think, for Obama to make the roster. Agreed. Actually, a uh, word out of minicamp is that F.A. Obata is doing so well that he might work his way into making this a red shirt year for Greg Russo, meaning that he just kind of is there on the roster watching you know, not really, you know, working out with the team and, you know, being prepared for maybe next year or sometime in the future. Uh, but they said F.A. Obata is absolutely killing it out there in minicamp. So uh, don't, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually makes the roster. Uh, and, and to your point, Eli, the defensive line nearly cost us the wild card game versus the Colts. Because if you remember, Phillip Rivers had all the time in the world to throw the ball. And he ate our defense up. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, think we needed an upgrade. So, so you're right about that. Yeah, when, when Noodle Arm Rivers is tearing you up, you know, there's a there's a problem there. Um, I mean, yeah, he did tear us up, and the, the, he kept a, he kept the Colts in the game, and he, he kept us on our heels. And thankfully, Josh played a, a, an even better game than Rivers did. And um, absolutely. I, and Tyler Bass hit like the biggest field goal of his life. <laughs> um, so, I yeah. mean, and then uh, Gabe had two of the best catches of his life. Yeah, those those toe taps. I mean, he's he, he's a he's a master at that. He's fun to watch. So uh, let's move on to the offensive line. We're just gonna kind of say who we think is gonna be the starting O line. I think we'll probably all have similar takes on this. Um, but if you guys have any hot takes about the O line. Because there, there are some, there's some potential for, for a conversation on the offensive line. So 
Uh, I'll start with mine. My starting line, I'm going to go from Dawkins, uh, Dawkins side over. Uh, so we're going to go Dawkins, uh, most likely Cody Ford. I don't know if I think Cody Ford's going to finish the season there, but Cody Ford, um, Mitch Morse, you got John Feliciano and Daryl Williams. I'm a huge believer in Daryl Williams. I'm so glad that he got paid because uh, he put in a lot of really good work. Um, he doesn't have that many, you know, really good seasons like he had last year. But and like, you kind of have to take that into consideration. Like maybe he'll slide back a bit um, because he kind of did that at Carolina. But um, I think that he could he could at least be in for a serviceable year. And if he's not, then we have Spencer Brown, who is like, you know, I'm excited to see Spencer Brown. I, he, he's just one of those guys that he just looks like he's going to be a really good football player. Um, so, Alex, what do you think? What are your zero? Uh, I decided to take a quick look at the roster, and I just realized they have Feliciano list, listed at left guard, which I thought was weird. thought he always played right guard, but um, I've pretty much had the same thoughts all offseason. Dawkins at left tackle, probably Ford at left guard. I, I still feel weird that he's our, our left guard. I don't think any of us would have predicted that two or three years ago when he got drafted that he was going to be our left guard, but right now let's just put him there, more center. Feliciano right guard and Daryl Williams right tackle with both of our rookie tackles being, um, I guess we'll just wait and see, you know, maybe like you said, Williams slips a little and we'll throw Brown in for a couple games and just see what happens or even just rotate them. Um, I think that would be cool. What I think is going to happen this year with this O-line is I, re I really think Josh is going to see a new level of protection. I think we have continuity on this O-line like we've never seen before. Um, you know, we had Morse out, we had Feliciano out, we had, we haven't really had these five out there with solid backups really for Josh's career yet. Josh hasn't seen continuity in his O-line yet. I think it's going to be huge. I also think we have a culture now set around protecting Josh. We saw what happened at the end of the AFC championship game. We saw how Feliciano stepped up I mean, they love Josh. They absolutely love Josh. They put, they put their health and their career on the line for him. And one of these guys would go down and get hurt to keep Josh healthy 100%. And I think when you have that, we have that there, I think these guys are going to play harder than any D lineman wants to get to Josh. Um, and I, th I think we're going to see a lot less sacks. I, you know, Josh has that tendency to try to extend the play, maybe past where he should. And, and us Bill Bills fans will see it all the time. Josh will be like 18 yards back and taking a sack because he's trying to stiff arm two guys. And I just think that that's not going to be – a reality as much anymore. I don't think Josh is going to have guys in his face when he's on his second, you know, read. I think he's going to have more time. It's going to be more organized. We're not going to be hopefully not dealing with injuries. And uh, I, I mean, I'm excited. We have Ike Butker, right? He can he can slide in there if if uh, if Ford's not playing well, because who knows what's going to happen with Ford coming off knee surgery? I think it is sliding into left guard. That's going to be weird, but you know, I think this is a really good situation the fact that our d-line is where it is that we were able to talk about two you know first round and second round d end and have our our o-line look like this i was not expecting to be able to have both you know d-line and o-line set the way it is so I'm, I'm definitely happy with this yeah justice go for it yeah uh eli basically just took all the words right out of my mouth uh, he explained it all you know perfectly um i i totally agree um, I think that the continuity is going to be amazing for Josh. I think that, again, like Eli said, 
Josh has never seen this because if you remember what the offensive line looked like his rookie year, it was absolutely disgusting. And then his second year, it wasn't awesome. This year, it was it was it was better, you know, but it wasn't great. Um, but I think that they finally have some continuity. They have, uh, you know, a uh, basically a, a platform now. You know, they they have a, a strong foundation, and I think that being saw that out of the entire roster, special teams, offense, and defense, his two biggest weaknesses were the trenches, which is where the game is won, which is why we lost the championship. Is because the game is won in the trenches, and our trenches weren't up to par. You know, we just had a phenomenal nearly everything else. But the trenches, you know, really, really, you got us beat. You know, so I think he saw that. He recognized that. And he went into the draft thinking, all right, we're going to address the trenches. You know, we're going to be a big, huge, you know, athletic, you know, team in the trenches. And we're, that's going to start to be a strong point here in the next, you know, two to, to five years, which is why, why I think he said he, he was going to draft for the future. Because I think that's fully what he expected to do was to improve the trenches. And that's exactly what he did. And I think it's going to pan out because, again, I'm going to say this until I can't say it again, but he has not given me not one reason not to trust him. I fully believe in Brandon Bean and what he's done and what he's doing. I think he's got, you know, the right idea. Between him and, and, and Sean McDermott, it's, it's a match made in heaven. And I'm so glad that that's in Buffalo. Yeah, 100%. I agree with it all. I think every Bills fan feels that way, too. You know, have you met anyone that doesn't love Bean and doesn't love McDermott and what they're doing? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, there, there's no reason not to, like Justice was saying. Uh, they, they've made so many good decisions. And, I mean, I, I love their draft, in all honesty. They got so many, like, you know, physical specimen type type players. And it just seems like that's also Brandon Bean's um, – it's a, it's his draft type, you know. He he he's gone for Josh Allen, who's who's massive. He's gone for Tremaine Edmonds, um, you know, all these all these guys are now this draft in 2020. Um, so he's definitely got a pattern and he's got a type that he likes, and I think yeah. it's a good type to have. I mean, it, it's it's easier to to create a football player out of someone that has all these intangibles, um, and and, right. and I think they do it well in Buffalo. That's exactly what everything was built on. Everything was built on development, you know, which is absolutely crazy that you found the perfect person in Brandon Bean who can find players who need development, and you find the perfect people in Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier, uh, Brian Dable, you know, Chad Hall, you know, uh, um, Ken Dorsey. You know what I mean? These guys who know how to develop talent, you know, who can develop the developmental players that, that being can find. You know what I mean? That is, is, is absolutely a perfect pairing. Um, so, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, well, let's switch gears. Um, we're almost at an hour, which is kind of crazy. Um, but um, we'll, we'll kind of not, not really breeze through them, but We'll go a little bit quickly. Um, so let's talk about the Bills. Sorry, stadium. I'm not talking too much. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it's it's perfect. I just like you know. Um, but let's talk about the Bills Stadium. Uh, so the lease on the old building is in 2023, um, and that that's up in 2023. So they're going to be rebuilding a new stadium, um, and it is set to be in Orchard Park. So they're not moving it downtown. Um, 
Did you guys want it in downtown? Either you can go go first. You know, I personally don't think that. I think what we have right now is arguably the best sports culture of any sport. I mean, that stadium and just, I mean, I'm from California and I've gone to that stadium before and I've seen what I've seen just around that stadium, in that stadium, just the energy that that fan base brings. It's such a unique area. It's like, an, it's just stuck in a neighborhood basically, right? It's you know, yeah. <laughs> such a unique situation. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know why they would move it. I hope that they don't. I don't know a ton about downtown Buffalo or where it would go or how that would look. And if we're able to build the same stadium in both places, like maybe if we move downtown, it's because we can't build as cool of a stadium as we can in, in Orchard Park. I don't really know how that works, but I think keeping it in Orchard Park is for sure in their, like it's their best interest to do that because, I mean, like I was saying, just look at that culture. Look at, I don't think we should change anything other than just making that stadium nicer and newer. Yeah. Justice, what about you? Um, I've actually never been to a regular or postseason, for that matter, Bills game. Um, there's, you know what I mean? So, like, kids who live in Buffalo don't, or at least inner city kids, don't often have a chance to go to the games. You know what I mean? So, I was one of the people who would like to see it in downtown Buffalo just so, you know, more more people would be able to have access to it. Um, but, you know, I... I know that Bill's Mafia as a people, you know what I mean, just even outside of the stadium culture is so unique. I think that it will follow it anywhere, really. Uh, but I definitely understand the other side and you know why guys will want to see it in Orchard Park. Again, I have never witnessed that, you know, experienced that, unfortunately, at least yet. Um, so I really can't speak to it. Um, but just for the sake of it being more accessible, you know, that's that's why I would have wanted it to see it in downtown. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm cool either way as long as the Bills are winning. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's the, that's the most important thing. Um, but my, my thoughts on it, I mean, I, I think that it, it's perfect in Orchard Park. I think Orchard Park's a, a perfect place for it. It's, it's you know, it's it, if you think of Orchard Park and you're a Bills fan, it's, it's, it's all about the Bills there. Um, so keep the Bills in Orchard Park. Uh, I think if it moved downtown, it would completely, not completely, but somewhat eliminate tailgating, at least to the, the, the extent that it is. And obviously tailgating isn't all of football and um, isn't all, isn't all it's about, but it's a really big part of the, the, like the Bill's fan base's culture. Um, and I think if you take that away, you take a little bit away from the culture. Um, and like Alex was saying, I mean, it's literally stuck in the middle of a neighborhood and it almost feels like you're going to a high school, uh, high school football game until you sit down in your seat, um, and you're seeing NFL football players out there. Um, it, it's it's really cool. I've only been one time. I went for a, a Dolphins, uh, Bills game back in like 2017. So Trey was a rookie. Um, it was really really fun, uh, and I, I I can't wait to go again this year. Um, but I think the the fact that it's staying in Orchard Park, I, I was one of those people that was like, why don't we? Why can't we just uh, renew the lease. Why can't we just keep, just stay in the same building, you know? Um, but it makes sense. It's one of the oldest, uh, buildings. It, it was built in like the seventies. Um, it, it's time it's, I think it's time for something new, but I'm, I'm glad that it's going to be in Orchard Park. And so on to my next point, there's, there's rumors of an overhang roof, um, kind of like hard rock stadium in Miami. 
Um, what do you guys think about that? I know some people wanted a dome um, or a retractable roof, uh, and I guess a overhang roof is literally meeting in the middle between a retractable roof and a, a dome. Um, so what do you guys think? I mean, is that going to look nice in Buffalo? I mean, only reason I would want a dome or something overhead is just to help Josh throw the ball because we all know that Josh is one of, if not the best quarterback in the league. And we all know that it's not easy throwing in Western New York. And um, I think that helping him because he automatically comes with a premium of being accurate, having a rocket for our arm, and, you know, basically being able to make any throw he wants in any position, you know, basically doing anything. Like, he has more wow moments than just about anybody. You know what I mean? And I think that having him as your quarterback, you want the field to be as neutral as possible because he automatically – nine times, nine and a half times out of ten is going to be the best player on the field. So all things neutral, you automatically have that advantage. Uh, and I think that sometimes the elements can bring about uh, situations where it eliminates some of what makes Josh great, and it takes away from that. So maybe he might be one of the best players on the field or – you know, maybe it may eliminate his ability to do anything. We've seen some of the games that uh, the rest of New York has experienced, like the snow game where Shady, you know, basically ran all over the Colts. And thank God for Shady because if we lost that game, there would have been no playoffs. But um, he had a great game. We had, what was it, Joe Webb throwing the touchdown. Back. Like, we've seen what happened, but we can't imagine what it would be like Josh playing in that game. He would basically be neutralized, you know what I mean? So uh, I did want something to kind of, you know, just slow down maybe the uh, overall effect that Mother Nature may have. But, again, either way, as long as the Bills are winning, I'm cool. <laughs> True. Yeah, I mean, Justice totally flipped my, my point of view on that. I had never really thought about it being a positive. Um, I actually always thought that we should keep it open because Josh's arm is stronger than anyone in the entire league. And so no matter what quarterback's coming to play us, Josh is going to have an advantage over that other quarterback, dealing with the wind, dealing with throwing tight spirals, adjusting their game less than that other quarterback does. I mean, you're just going to have to adjust your playbook. When you come to Buffalo and there's 20-mile-per-hour winds, there's, the ball's wet, you just can't play the same game that you were going to play in a dome in, you know, or like at Hard Rock, it's just not it's not possible. Um, and I thought that gave us an advantage, but you know that's a really good point by Justice that this is still Josh Allen, and regardless, he's one of if not the best player on the field. And so we want him kind of at his best, and just let him do what he does. And if you know if it doesn't affect the other quarterback, you know they both he's still going to be better than whoever that other quarterback is. I just would like to see, you know, I think it's contributed to his success a lot. I think him having to deal with that weather, just another piece of adversity that he's, you know, he's he's been faced with adversity his entire career, probably more than any other quarterback, close to as much as any other that's quarterback. He's had, to deal with, he's had to deal with so much, and that's just that's made him grow more than any quarterback ever has in NFL history. No one's ever grown the way Josh has and done what Josh has done, and I don't know how much of that is attributed to being in a city that has that kind of weather, 
but he's had to deal with every single home game. He's had to deal with, you know, just about every home game with not ideal conditions. And he's had to perform and he's been expected to do what everyone else is doing. You look at the stats for each week and you have all these quarterbacks that are throwing in a dome for 300 something. And they're expecting Josh to do the same with 20 mile per hour wins when the ball's wet and his drop, his receivers have five drops in the game. So I think it's contributed to his success, but it would be interesting to see him in a dome where he doesn't have to deal with any of that now that he's kind of hit that that spot of where we wanted him to be. Yeah, I, I think I think dome Josh Allen, you know, every home game would just be it, it'd just be marvelous to watch because like Justice was saying, you know, he's he's a controlled weather quarterback, uh, like you read about, you know, he it, when he is in those situations when he goes to Miami, if he's playing in a dome, um, if he's in good weather, you can almost mark up him having a really good game um and then when you when you have some bad conditions like in the kansas city game uh earlier in the year it was like cold and wet and he didn't look the same he was also kind of injured that game um so he he wasn't really the same but um and then i think alex your point about him you know going through all this adversity throughout his i mean he's been going through adversity since leaving high school like, so he, like, he's been doing this. Um, and I think w- weather is not going to stop him. I think that he can get better in certain weather. Um, I, I think, you know, like the fact that it's not going to be a dome, isn't like an end all be all that the fact that Josh Allen's just going to get worse in the winter time. Um, but I think it would definitely, it would definitely be really cool if it was a dome. Um, I, I like, I'm, I'm a huge, um, huge fan of like the fact that Minnesota has a dome. I think if if Minnesota if the if the Vikings played outside, it, that would just be it would be awful football to watch in the winter. Um, and I think game speed and um, all that stuff, you know, it, it takes a lot from the game. You know that that snowball game is fun to watch because you know it was snowing and there was there was feet of snow on the ground, um, and you get to watch Shady running through like a, a foot of snow. And that's really awesome. But like, I can't imagine being either at that game or being those players. Like those guys have got to want to do them more than anybody after playing in that game. Um, so I, I'm, I was, I'm kind of impartial on it. I think a dome would have been really cool. I think a hanging roof is cool. Um, I, I almost worry about a hanging roof with the amount of snow in Buffalo. Like, is that, is there enough like support in the world to like hold up the, the 15 feet of snow that's going to pile up on top of a hanging roof. Um, but I don't know. I'm impartial on it. So I'm just, I'm just excited to see what they come up with uh, for after 2023. I think they're going to make a really nice stadium and stadiums around the league. The new ones are just absolutely beautiful. So it'll, it'll be cool to see. You guys have anything else on that topic? No, I mean, I totally agree. I'm probably in the same spot either way. I think Josh is Josh and he'll figure it out. And I think there's benefits to both and, and, you know, costs of both. And, you know, if you, if it even can be done, if we could even do a dome or hang roof or whatever it is, and I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Yeah. Again, as long as the bills are winning, I'm cool. It's the bottom line, man. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to our last beefy topic. Uh, We got, the PFF ranks. So every Bills fan on earth, if you have a Twitter account or a social media account, you saw this. Uh, PFF ranked Josh Allen, uh, a projected 40th best player in the 2021 season, and they ranked Stephon Diggs uh, the 45th best player. And 
this, you know, my first reactions to this were, I was, I, I was pissed. I mean, like how, how could you have a top five quarterback and a top three wide receiver be in the top 45 like for the next season? I mean, even if this is a projection, it doesn't make any sense because uh, like these guys, yeah, you can, you can project a regression for Josh and that may, that might happen, but there's no reason to project a regression for Josh in my opinion, because he hasn't regressed yet. You know, from year one, two, and three, he's gotten better and better. Um, and I haven't seen him get worse from year to year yet. So I don't think that he's going to do it in year four. I mean, he made a massive leap. I'm not saying that he's going to make another massive leap, uh, the same size that he did from year two to three, but year three to four could look, you know, similar and maybe a little bit less, um, you know, and, and, and I wouldn't call it a, a little bit less a regression, um, by any means. So I think 40 and, and then for Stefan Diggs, 45 is just disrespectful. Um, but this gives, you know, these guys more of a chip on their shoulder. These guys are used to playing with a chip on their shoulder. So I think this will, you know, add a little more motivation if they do see it anyway, or if they even care what PFS has to say, they probably don't. We, we us as the fans care the most. <laughs> definitely. I mean, I'm definitely fired up about that. I'm not, I'm not happy. Uh, I think it is disrespectful. I think it's disrespectful that Jordan Poyer is not an all pro or a pro bowler, but I think that's what happens. We're the smallest market team or close to it in the NFL. Um, until recently, we didn't have the fan base and the recognition that, that we need and that we should, we deserve. Josh was 87. I believe they ranked him last year in the real NFL 100. And so maybe they're going off of that. That could be their only defense that he was 87 and 40. Would you say 43 or 40? He was Josh Allen was 40 and Stefan Diggs was 40. Okay. I mean, maybe their argument is that 87 to 40 is a big jump, but regardless, you can look at any of the statistics for a quarterback. Josh Allen from year two to year three had the biggest jump of any quarterback in NFL history. No one, no Super Bowl winning quarterback, no legend. No one has ever done what Josh did. No one. And so I think just off of that, I think he automatically has to be in the top 25, no question. I personally think he should be in the top 10. I really do. I really do. I think Josh Allen as a player, no other team says, okay, our quarterback's so good, Our pretty much our game plan is just to have the ball in his hands for 90-plus percent of snaps. He's so good that if we just – it's a numbers game, and if he has the ball on 90-something percent of snaps, we'll, we'll win enough games. Like, that's literally all it takes is just have the ball in Josh Allen's hands. We saw it in the Cowboys' Thanksgiving game. He'll just tear right through for a first down. He'll take it himself. He'll receive – he'll, you know, receiving touchdowns. I mean, he's 6'5". It's ridiculous. Top 25 for sure. Diggs led the league in receiving yards and receptions. Top 25, top 30 maybe if you want to stretch it there. Those are the two most important stats for a receiver, receiving yards and receptions. Done. 45 is disrespectful. It's, it's got to be because they're Bills. That's it. If they were Browns, they'd both be top 25 or a, more, a team that people were more hyped about, I guess. I don't know. It's annoying, but I'm used to it now, I guess. I'm still pissed about Jordan Poyer. I love Poyer. No recognition, no respect. I think it's just this team's becoming used to it. So, yeah. Absolutely. Justice, what about you? Yeah, I don't know how PFF does their calculations, but um, from what I do know, it, I feel like they do like a average of his first three years, and they're like, okay, um, 
you add all this together and divide it up and this is what you come out to. And, you know, and then they'd be like, well, this is his projected PFF score. You know what I mean? And it's not necessarily a projection for the future. And I think that's the flaw when you use numbers for everything. You don't get to use your eyes and see what's happening in front of you. You know what I mean? You you miss it, you know what I mean? Because you're so worried about whether it was a uh, positive or a negative play. You know what I mean? I think that's the flaw in PFF. Uh, so I'm not surprised that they would do, they would say Josh is, you know, 40 and Diggs is 45. You know, they kind of have to, like, you know what I'm saying? And, and not to mention, plus, something else I've really learned is that they do this stuff on purpose. Like, you know, they know that Bill's Mafia is going to, you know, show attention to any disrespect. You know what I mean? And I think they, they're using us as, like, bait at this point. You know what I mean? Just to kind of, uh, you know, get their numbers up to make them look popular. You know what I mean? Because we're, we're the popular ones. You know, we're the people who really set the trends. You know what I'm saying? Bill Ma- Bill's Mafia is easily the best fan base in football. You know what I mean? So they, you know, just want our attention. And I don't even care. PFF is you know what I'm saying? PFF could watch this one the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? So, like, after all that, you can rank us wherever you want. I don't really care. You know what I mean? Like, they don't even have real opinions. And then when PFF, you when you see a PFF person make an opinion, it's always like, what? Like, you know what I mean? Something that makes you really scratch your head. You know what I mean? So, you know, I don't, you know, PFF is, is whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to trust PFF anymore. I mean, it, it just it, it seems like week day after day week after week there's something new disrespecting a bills player and it's 100 percent clickbait you know like they they know that all these bills mafia twitter pages are gonna like come after them and, and 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 say all this stuff in the replies quote tweet them and get all their stuff all around and it just sucks that we all get baited into it and we're gonna all keep getting baited into it um because bills mafia is a very emotional fan base we're all very you know, emotionally attached to the bills and we, we love our bills um, more than any fan base loves their team. In my opinion, uh, like you said, justice, we're the best fan base in football. And I think I'd say arguably one of the best fan bases in sports. Um, Absolutely. Like, so I, and, and I don't, I don't, you know, I don't discredit anyone for, for going after PFF because I do it too. I, I, I get pissed about it. But the thing that pissed me off the most about that that post, or was it wasn't even that post. It was a couple posts later when they put AJ Brown at 38 and Stephon Diggs at 45. I was like, how in the world could you do this? Like Stephon Diggs, number one in receptions, number one in yards. How is AJ Brown better? And now, if you're still basing it off of projection, now he's got Julio Jones. How does that make him a better receiver than he was last year? Like it just doesn't make any sense to me uh, how they do anything. It, it it is it is all math, like you said. They're just punching numbers into a calculator, and that's the projection. So I mean, there's not much more to say about it other than the fact that PFF is kind of garbage. Um, they their stats are 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 good in sa- small sample sizes if you use them the right way. Um, I think that you you can definitely use a PFF score in the right way, but you can't 
to make a top 50 board out of it is just kind of weird because it's all not really based on play. It's all based on how they look at plays and how they look at games and how certain things impact other things. And it's just, it's just a weird way of grading uh, players. Yeah, I agree. All right. You guys got anything else on PFF? <laughs> no, we're done with them. <laughs> yeah, screw PFF. All right. So we will go into last thing we'll talk about today. Um, and that's going to be record predictions. So I want to hear justice first. Uh, wh- what do you think the record prediction is going to be for the Bills in 2021? I mean, <laughs> look, all right, Say it, look, man. <laughs> all right, look, people really care about my opinion now. So like, I can't just say things and then, you know, without people really challenging me for what I'm saying, right? I can't do that anymore. Like, you remember back in the days when you could just say some wild stuff and like nobody would care? Like now, like people are really a little like, yo, know, you said, like, you know what I'm saying? They'll challenge you, right? So I really don't want to jump out the window, right? But I'm going to be a little tame and I'm going to say Bills go 15 and 2. Okay. Because <laughs> wow. I really want to jump out the window, but I'm not going to because people will be up. But anyway, um, I'll say 15 and 2. Uh, and I say for, or first seed, AFC first seed, and Super Bowl one. I love it. And, and love I'll give you my reason. I'll give you my reason real quick. Because last year, we had three losses. One of them wasn't a real loss. We shouldn't have lost that game. It was, it was a fluke, right? Second one, second two, excuse me, we're on postponed games because of another team. And we had to play, you know what I'm saying? We had to um, play call, like we scheme up, you know, calls for both teams. You know, we didn't really know who we were going to play. So that was kind of a weird situation. And we took back-to-back losses, right? And then the other loss was a fluke. So this being a regular year and we facing who we're scheduled to face and, and everything goes smoothly. I can't see a reason why McDermott and Frazier and Dave all won't scheme up something to win every single game. That's, that's what I'll say. All right. Yeah. I like it. Alex, what about you? I mean, again, he's saying exactly what I'm, what I'm thinking. Um, the only difference is, uh, so last year we had like a one of the hardest strength of schedules I remember, and this year we're in the twenties I believe somewhere in the twenties. Um, so you'd think that that would take us from three losses, really two losses, and take us to you know one or two losses max. And I'll tell you why I don't think that's going to happen. I still think we're winning a Super Bowl, but I think our regular season record will be fourteen and three. Um. I think it's ridiculous that all all betting has us on our over under at eleven. I mean, I don't think there's any chance we're losing six games. We're not we're not going eleven and Absolutely. six. It's not happening. It's not happening. Yeah, we we opened at ten and a half. Yeah. I so my, yeah. So my situation for why why that's the case 
that this year we're winning a Super Bowl and we have an easier strength of schedule, but we might lose the same amount of games is strictly because we were playing the best teams in the league last year, week after week after week, with a few you know easy games sprinkled in there. Um, and so that had us on our toes at all time. We were ready for every single team. You know, regardless of the situation, we were always having to perform. Like, we had to play our hearts out every single game to win every single game last year. I mean, we had absolutely one of the hardest strength of schedules. It was ridiculous. It'd be, it'd be like, oh, who are we playing next week? You'd be like, oh, my God. So this year, I think when we have an easier strength of schedule, I think that will allow us, unfortunately, for trap games to pop up where, you know, we actually play someone really good and then we're like, oh, finally we get like two week breaks, you know, of two easy teams. And then one of those games will sneak up on us. It's football. No matter what team you are, you're going to lose a few games here and there. I think we lose two to three. And I think we win a Super Bowl. And Josh wins MVP. All right, I love it. Uh, yeah, I mean, my my prediction is very similar, similar to yours, Alex. I was kind of, you know, thinking either is it going to be 15 and two or is it going to be 14 and three? I ultimately uh, went with 14 and three. I think we... I think we, I, I, I hate to say this, but I think we lose a game in Miami or to Miami. Um, I think we lose to the Colts, and then I think we lose to the Bucks. I think we beat the Chiefs, and I think we beat the Titans. Who's, who's Miami's quarterback going to be? <laughs> Jacoby Brissett. <Brissette. laughs> <laughs> that would be yeah. their best opportunity. Oh, no. But I'll tell you my, my, my views on Miami real quick. Do you remember – how Tom Brady used to come to Buffalo every single year, and we would be like, this is the time we're going to be Tom Brady. And he would blow the curtains off of our – it was just disgusting. Every time. I think that's what Josh is to Miami. And because he's won every single game except the one game where Charles Clay dropped the touchdown pass. He's blew them out virtually every single time. He puts up always plays he, well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're you're right. I just get, I just, I, I don't, I don't think that we sweep the AFC East again. I think we go five and one. Um, Whether it's, it's not going to be the Jets. Whether it's the Pats or the the Dolphins, I think we drop one. Um, And then who's going to be the Patriots quarterback? (laughs) (laughs) Mac Jones. Um, I think Mac Jones. Uh, I think he does, but I don't think Mac. I don't know. I I, I don't want Mac Jones to beat us. Um, I'm just I'm just trying to like you know maybe lower my bar so that I'm more excited when we do go 15 and two and we yeah. sweep the AFC East. Um, but I I, I mean I, I think the, the Bills win the Super Bowl. Um, I I already put a little money on it. I bet on it. I put like 20 bucks on it. If we win the Super Bowl, I, I get 240 bucks. So. You know, I think that's a smart that's investment. A, that's a smart investment because you know, I, this this bill seems built to win the Super Bowl. I think it's. I don't think it's Super Bowl or bust, uh, but it's going to be Super Bowl or really disappointed. You know, um, my boy Eli spending smart money. Yeah, exactly. Who needs a stock market when you have uh, bills at plus twelve hundred? Yeah, you got Josh Allen. That's my stock market. Um, <laughs> Uh, but no, I'm really excited. I think they win the Super Bowl. Josh wins MVP. I'm riding with you guys on that. Um, 14 and three or 15 and two, uh, depending if we don't get trapped in a, in a game. Um, I think the Colts are a team that is going to be tough. I, I, I'm not the biggest believer in Carson Wentz, but I believe very heavily in their defense. I think their defense is going to keep them 
in a lot of games. And I think that their defense is going to win them a lot of games. It's going to be a lot um, kind of reminiscent, I think, of the um, the Tyrod days. You know, Carson, all Car- Carson has to do is not lose the game. And I think that that defense can put him in good position. So, um, you know, that game is also in Buffalo. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, my final thoughts 15 and 2, 14 and 3, either one. So that 17 and no, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, Justice, I heard you say that once. And I was like, yo, this Justice is like, he's, he's really going for it. Um, Listen, I, I, I heard Jay Spence <laughs> talking on his show, and he was talking about how he has to be humble right now because, you know, he doesn't want everybody talking crap. Um, uh, but <laughs> he, he's talking about how he'll talk his crap like in February when it really happens. But like, I'm yeah. like, listen. I will say what Jay Spence can't say. Listen, we're going undefeated. We're winning the Super Bowl. Josh Allen is going to be league MVP. I really, it's happening, ladies and gentlemen. We have the best offensive coordinator back. We have the best head coach. We have the best GM. We have one of the best defensive coordinators all back with the best quarterback in the league at the same. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just here to tell you it's going to happen. So, yeah. Like, y'all can deny it all you want, but it's, it's going to happen. So I'm, I'm sorry I can't be humble anymore. Yeah, no, fuck, fuck that shit. No, <laughs> I mean, you don't have to be humble. Um, it's not like anyone listens to my podcast anyway, but um, <laughs> um, you actually get a lot of listens, bro. Like, you're what I'll tell you off air. <laughs> all, right, all right, all right, yeah, we can have that conversation later. Um, but no, all right. I mean, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, Alex, Justice, thanks for coming on. Um, yeah. I mean, th- this was a blast. I, I, we've uh, we've been waiting to do this for a while. Um, I'm glad that we got like, you know, almost an hour and a half into this. This is perfect. Yeah. I think this is like a, a good like two or three uh, car ride listen on your way to work and then on your way back to work. So uh, I think people will enjoy this. Um, I am. Yeah, this was really, really fun. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. We, we got to do this again. It's been a long yeah, time absolutely. that the three of us sat down. It's been a while. Long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah this is awesome. Uh, we're, we can we can do this however many times you want. Um, I think. I mean, I want to have some more BIB guys on, but I mean, uh, you guys you guys have first dibs whenever you want. Um, but yeah, so same here. Absolutely. Yeah, I want to get on that windshield factor. Definitely. Uh, that can happen so, very soon. So, Justice, uh, tell tell the people when when yours drops. Uh, um, Windchill Factor drops every single Tuesday. Um, I <laughs> listen. I'm I'm one man. I try to get the podcast out every morning at three a.m. But sometimes they slip through the cracks, and I may post them at like maybe eleven a.m. or something. But for the most part, you're going to get your podcast on time. Um, <laughs> but you know, you can find me. Uh, you know, Tuesdays. And I'm also, I have a surprise that is coming. I'll let you guys know very soon. Actually, I can announce it on my man's, you know, Eli's podcast. I have a YouTube show coming. I have a YouTube show coming. We, you know, we don't, we're we're still in talks, but yes. So get ready for that as well. Uh, But I appreciate you for having me on, brother. Yeah, anytime, man. Same here, uh, Eli. Thanks for having me. Hopefully I'm a guest again. That was definitely a lot of fun. Absolutely, man. I love your uh, your knowledge and your 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 Twitter your Twitter game's good too. Um, so, thank you guys. Thank you everyone who listened. Um, 
we'll be back at this. Um, this drops every Saturday. So look out on um, your weekends. Great way to start or, um, you know, continue your, your weekend. Um, so thanks again. And as always, go Bills. I'll see you guys later.